Welcome to the Free Willing Podcast. We are, the sun is setting on, where are we again? Sandy de Vosges. That's right. Not bar something or other today. No, that was yesterday. Right. What day is it? I think it's Thursday. Okay. Stage five. Yes. I, li- I live by stages now yeah. rather than days of this the week. This is the way of the tour. It is. Um, today we've got a familiar voice to freewheeling for you. Um, but instead of her talking slash interviewing about riders, she is on the other side of the fence because Matt went and shoved a microphone in her face. I did for a good 20 minutes, in fact. Um, this year, Gracie has, uh, I guess, taken up uh, a new career in cycling, becoming a commentator with SBS, which is the the host broadcaster of a lot of uh, cycling events in Australia, for those that aren't familiar She's doing a great job. It is a big change and a big challenge for people to step into that role. And I got the chance to speak to Gracie today before she jumped in the commentary booth for her stint covering stage five. Um, she talks a lot about yeah what that transition was like to commentator, being on the other side of the fence, the similarities as well between being a professional bike racer and being a commentator, being addicted to adrenaline and how the switch to commentary plays into that. Um, it's just a very open and uh, revealing chat and I was surprised by um, the emotion that came out of it for something that is, you know, could have been a discussion just about career and about work and stuff that can be a little dry. She got quite emotional and it was yeah, quite affecting listening to her talk about how much she's learned about herself and how uh, big a challenge this has been for her and what she's learning in the process. So... I think it turned out really well. I'm really proud of it and I'm delighted to have had that conversation with Gracie and I I hope that everyone listening enjoys it. Nice. So if you've missed Gracie on the regular Free Within (laughs) podcast, then you're about to get a big old dollop of her here. So enjoy. All right. So we're sitting outside the commentary tribune here and yeah, Gracie, tell us to start with, what's it been like commentating on the Tour de France? Well, I've been here since the start of the men's tour, so I, what's this week five now? I think for me on the road with the same ten people, but I'm 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 so grateful to be part of the SBS team. Everyone's been great. We've been having a lot of fun. We're all pretty tired. It's probably been the most intense month of my life in terms of the, how cycling is. Uh, it's just literally pack your bags in the morning, put on your t-shirt. For me, put on my makeup, do my hair because I'm on camera a lot. Um, Scoff some breakfast. Sometimes it's a good breakfast, sometimes it's not so good. (laughs) Just get whatever you can find. Coffee has been absolutely terrible, (laughs) but you just have to chug that down too. And then on the road, sometimes you're near the start or wherever you need to be that day. Other times you're you're driving, you know, two, three hundred kilometres a day. So I think our our cars have clocked up about 10,000 K already. But yeah just long days when I was doing the the men's tour I was doing a lot of piece to camera a lot of interviews so it's lots of little mini highs for me through the day rather than a bit more of a consistent effort for the commentary team um so and I was really nervous so I was getting like these adrenaline dumps as well (laughs) of being because I get nervous being on camera you can't really tell probably on from watching but I'm like a bit shaky after and it's kind of like pre-race nerves 
And then also probably the biggest challenge for me was interviewing writers and, and, and trying to figure out how to ask some more challenging questions because that's what the fans want to know, some information about how the, the day went, why they did something or why didn't they. And I would get really nervous about that too. So having these little highs throughout the day as well as having long days, it's been really hot. But overall, super fun. I've been having a great time. Um, and now that the women's tour is halfway through, I've been also in the commentary box and I love talking about racing. It's For me, it's like being back in the race. Um, so that's been a lot of fun too and really enjoying that. And you really only started your commentary career at the start of this year, right, with Baykritz, is that right? Yeah, pretty much. I was doing a little bit of um, opinion stuff, I guess, the, around the Tour de France last year, coming in as a guest for some of their pre-show stuff and then doing some of the podcasts with um, Maka and Christophe at the Vuelta. But this year, this is the first kind of full race commentary year for me. So Baykritz was my first one. That was a really nice way to warm up and, for me, get rid of those pre-race nerves, do nationals. And then I got to do all the – well, not all of them, but a lot of the classics. And as a lot of listeners may know, they were my favourite races when I was a rider. So that was really cool to um, commentate them and – you know, it, it's just awesome to be able to commentate Tour of Flanders and Roubaix. Like, it's it's really fun. So I, I get goosebumps. I get nervous watching the riders because I love that feeling of being in the race, even if I'm just a couch peloton member. I, <laughs> I get my heart rate goes up when I watch sprint finishes or exciting finales of races because I, I guess I, I don't know if it's like an empathy thing or, or I don't know. I just put myself in that moment and I, I want someone to do well or I, I just want to see how it unfolds and when you're in the commentary booth and you're trying to keep a level voice and, and talk your way through it that's a whole new challenge for me so yeah I'm really enjoying this actually more so than I thought. <laughs> I was going to ask you about the challenges what's it been like what have been the, the most tricky parts about going from a racer to yeah a totally different role in commentary? Yeah I think I needed a bit of time from my last race as a rider to doing this, so I, I definitely would not have been ready to do the classics um, as a commentator in 2021. I just still, I wasn't, I didn't completely remove myself from the sport and I never wanted to, but I can see why that is so tempting for a lot of riders that retire. You just need a break. You need to, you need to grieve. Like there's, it's a huge mm -hmm. grieving process to finish something that was so intense in your life and and for me and and like a lot of athletes I was an athlete for my whole adult life so it wasn't like I came into the sport like after doing something else that's all I did was cycling um, and it was a huge transition I'm really glad that I got to retire on my own terms but there's still so much you need to process uh, and then watching even watching nationals for the first time and not being there was weird uh, and then watching Flanders was hard I, I watched all the races but there was a lot of emotion um, in doing that that I it would not have come across well if I was in a commentary position right, okay. and I uh, when I watched Roubaix I, I, I was it the emotion hit me really hard in 2021 and I think I went and had a cry in the shower that evening because it just <laughs> I, it just I always wanted to do that race and I just didn't quite get there because it got cancelled when I was supposed to do it yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that I had, I gave myself that time before putting pressure back on myself to perform mm. again, because that's what we're doing. We're also performing sure, just yeah. in a different way. Um, yeah, but SBS offered me the opportunity to come and give, be a guest mm. for the Tour de France last year in 2021 and enough time had passed by then. Plus it was men's racing. So it was a really great way to step back into it, yeah. talk about the Tour de France and 
I got a bit bit of a buzz out of it, and I realized I I was missing that buzz okay. because I, I I did enjoy the pressure, I enjoyed the race nerves in some ways when I was a rider, and mm. when you go from having race nerves fifty plus days a year, yeah. and and the thriving off pressure more than fifty days a year, and then nothing, mm. it's a big drop off to emotionally, probably chemically. Yeah. And so you, I can completely understand why a lot of athletes of all sports go into a, a hole and, and into depression. And and for sure, I felt some symptoms of, you know, some mental health things mm. to do with depression. And it, it it's not because I was sad. Like, I, I was a little bit sad, but it's, it, it's chemical as well. Yeah. Like, I was addicted to <laughs> adrenaline. I was addicted to pressure. I was ad- addicted to progress. And when you're not progressing anymore you don't have goals anymore and you're not getting highs and and your ego is not being um stroked i guess because you're not wearing a special jersey anymore it's a big drop off and once i got that opportunity to come and work with sbs again it was good for my ego i'm gonna say that like Mm. it was actually nice to feel a bit special again be on tv get to talk about racing and and realize oh i'm an expert and people want to know what my expert opinion is and Mm. And just now I'm, I'm just learning how to manage that feeling special again, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to say it differently, but, you know, I'm, I'm in the public eye again and I like that. Yep. But I also know that um, I need to make sure that that's not something that I'm only chasing. Like I, I want to keep trying to stay grounded and, and have time away from the spotlight as well because, you know, it's, it's, it's addictive, mm. but it's not so good for you. But I think if you manage it, then it can be a lot of fun. Yeah. Wow, that's a great answer. Um, do you feel like you can set goals for yourself and chart progress, I guess, in this next phase of your career like you could as a writer? Yeah, that's an interesting <clears throat> question. It's a lot less uh, tangible, I guess, because it's not a number anymore. It's not a, a wattage goal or a podium position. And I think that's tricky, but um, I, I try and routinely, maybe every three or six months, write down a few goals for myself um, and then I'll, I'll reflect back on the other set from a similar time period and it's nice to see it that way and it's then they're, they're not so much like clear goals but just it can be something big like last year it was like finish my degree um, or it could just be meditate every day and it can be big or small and it's nice for me to just write things down um, and then reflect every three or six months just to be like, oh, actually, I didn't do that as much as I thought, or wow, I actually did, I did all of it, what I wrote down and more, so I shouldn't be so hard on myself because mm. I, um, I guess I, I can't help but still be a bit high performance <laughs> in my life. Uh, it's funny when you, ha- you, you realise that you're just a bit of a, not, I don't want to say high achiever, but you just want to be achieving yeah. and you want to be always progressing so I, I need to make sure probably my biggest challenge is not feeling guilty about doing nothing and just having time to relax as well <laughs> can you look back over your time as a commentator so far and identify things that you feel like you've really improved on that you've learned about yourself or learned about the process since then yeah good question and, and I didn't quite answer your your question earlier in that I've got some really great people helping me progress in this new role and just um 
they've not overwhelmed me with with everything I need to do well they they just kind of let me do what I'm doing naturally and then they'll just give me a tip here or there every day or every time that I get the chance to commentate and then I can work on that so for me it's like finding ways um where I might go back and listen to what I what I did and, and see if I can pick up on anything and then ask for feedback from other people that have been doing this for a really long time and they do know exactly what to pick up on and what to to change so yeah just trying not to overwhelm myself but really grateful that they're not overwhelming me as well that they're letting me learn in my own time but giving me some really great critic like um structured feedback that I, I can I can keep working on so yeah from bakeritz I think I was just a bit uh, I guess not as confident in myself and my expertise and having a few people over the last few months saying repetitively saying you're the expert people want to know what you think having that confidence to be like okay it's true (laughs) instead of feeling like oh I'm just I was just a female cyclist not that well known why would anyone want to hear from me to then being like oh I actually was one of the best in my sport for a really long time and I've done all of these races bar the Tour de France and Paris-Roubaix actually do have something to say and and another thing too is I'm learning how to have an opinion again because when you're in a team environment when you're an athlete you're pretty much bound to the what the team line is you know, you can't really speak out against what they could have done better in a race or it just never comes across very well in the media to be critical in those moments and now that I'm not in I'm not allied I'm not yeah tied to any sponsors in particular or any teams yeah. I can have an opinion about what I think is happening in the race. I'm not going to be mean about it, but I'm going to say, oh, this is what's happening or I would have done this differently. And yeah. that's actually a huge um, challenge, I guess, to, to figure out what my opinion is now and, and, and have the confidence to say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember talking to you probably around time of nationals and you saying something like, oh, actually, actually I am an expert and it actually matters what I say and that you felt like there'd been people you know, leading up to that point that it kind of gave you the impression that you didn't know what you were talking about or you were just starting to realise that you actually did have a voice and, and that was really good and you obviously developed that feeling even more since then. Yeah, I think sometimes when you're an athlete and cycling is a team sport and there's some really great things about that but there's also challenges in that. If you're in my position, I was, you know, one of the more veteran riders of the team and you're a team captain at races and you're the one making decisions out on the road but also the one that's bringing an an opinion to a pre-race meeting and you feel strongly about something and no one ever wants to back you up on it or or they agree and then no one ever does it (laughs) it's like yeah I don't want to be too negative about this but in some ways I felt a bit gaslit in my position on the team not at a huge level but there was some feelings there that I just wasn't happy about at the end of my career and so I I left with a bit of um, a bad taste in my mouth in that way Um, and it 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 really decreased my confidence in myself because I thought that I was good tactically and then I I was always questioning or maybe I'm not so that happened those thoughts happened to me quite a lot for a few years at the end of my career and and to walk away from a very long career in women's cycling and, and feel like 
or maybe I wasn't as good as I thought physically or tactically, mm. it's not a very nice way to finish. Yeah. And so commentary in some ways is actually a little bit of closure for me because there's a lot of people saying, I really enjoyed how you talked through that moment or that race and to have the producers here going, that was great. Just um, They don't want me to work on my content. They just want me to work on the delivery and that's a whole different skill set. And so I'm getting all this confidence back in myself and my abilities that is helping me with the grieving process of mm. not being an athlete anymore. So that's really interesting, I think. Yeah. So what would you like to work on in the next six months, a year in this sort of role? Um, I just want to keep working on my delivery. Um, I love listening to, to Matt and Bridie and Gero. They've got so much passion in their voice and I think I'm, I'm not so good at expressing my emotions. So I'm really trying hard to work on my delivery and my enthusiasm and my passion because that's how I feel, but maybe it just doesn't come across as well as it could. So for me, it's... Um, working on my very introverted nature to be a bit more you know outward because I love racing and I want to bring that excitement to viewers and, and young women that are going to watch these races and hear our voices and I've actually had a bit of voice coaching through SBS so that's okay. actually been really cool to yeah work work on certain things and energy and and, and how I'm saying things so that's kind of fun it's such a different skill though isn't it like the difference between having a conversation with somebody and presenting something on air is yeah I don't think people many people would realize that until they kind of put into that position I certainly in the limited experience I've had of doing stuff on camera you'd notice that if you're only speaking at your regular kind of energy mm. level it feels quite flat doesn't it well yeah when we communicate as people in in a face-to-face way I, I can't remember what the number is but it's a huge percentage maybe 70 percent of your communication is your body language yeah. and when you're commentating you can't see us you can't see us use our hands we're gesturing wildly in the commentary (laughs) box but you're not seeing that so we need to bring out that in our voice and speak to the images and that's for me quite difficult so that's something that I'm really working hard on but having people that I'm trying to match like Matt like he's full of energy and he's got a great voice so it's it's helpful because there's energy in the room and that's helping it I would be terrible if it was just me alone (laughs) commentating (laughs) yeah yeah well, um, you're doing a great job. I mean, I don't need to tell you that, but, um, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? Anything that's on your mind? I just think that it's wonderful to see so many women in different roles in cycling now. I think the level of the performance of the athletes is absolutely incredible, but there's so many people around now in the sport that are facilitating the way this sport is. So we've got eight female directors at the Tour de France Farm, which is pretty awesome. We've got women in the commentary team. It's not just myself and Bridie. We've got heaps of other women working in the media as well, doing a great job. ASO, we've got a lot of great females in leadership positions here that are making this whole thing run so smoothly. Kate Verano from Zwift, she's one of the key people in spearheading Zwift's major involvement in this race, and I think that they've just made this so much bigger and better than it was going to be. I could go on. I, 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 there's so many people I want to mention, but I'll, I'll keep it short. I think that this is an amazing time for, for mm. women in sport and not just on the field or on the road. Yeah, and, and I guess you've been asked this a, a thousand times already this week, but what are your feelings more generally about this event and being here? And I, I'm sure you would have loved to race it yourself, but, yeah, what are your feelings about the event as a whole? 
Yeah, I was actually really emotional on uh, Sunday morning. And actually, a couple of days before then, it, it started to hit me. I've done so many interviews about the Tour de France Femme over the last six months about what it means and what it's all about. And I felt excited, but I felt like I was, you know, just trying to build the hype. And then the few days before it started, the emotion and the gravity of it actually hit me personally because I, I knew I wasn't going to be lining up. And I have my own personal experiences with the Tour de France, quite similar to, to some women. We watched it growing up. We, we only had male cyclists as role models. We only saw them in the magazines. I loved watching the Tour de France as a kid and all the highlights on SBS when I was watching with my dad and 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 being so young that you didn't even realize that it wasn't women racing and then getting to it my teenage years and going oh I don't really know who to look up to now my first race in Europe was a prologue in a tour and Mariana Vos was chasing me and I barely knew who she was I didn't know she was a big deal and I didn't know anyone else in the race and they turn out to be all of the best female cyclists that I ended up racing for another 10 years. Um, so it, 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 it's such a big thing. And, and I got to go and watch a, the stage in Paris um, in 2013. And I was in the stands and it was this beautiful golden light evening, much like the one this year. It was a great event. And it, it just hit me this wave of sadness and anger that I wasn't on that side of the fence and I never would be able to just because of my gender and it, it almost ruined that day for me. <laughs> yeah. Literally one year later I was lining up for La Course yeah. on that start line wearing my national champions jersey and it's come a long way since like it, it's taken too long to get a tour but we're here now mm. and it's amazing and getting to interview all of the mostly the Aussies but quite a few riders on the start line on Sunday. I was part of their excitement and I was so grateful to still be there even though I wasn't racing so yeah, yeah you can still hear some yeah. of the emotion in my voice <laughs> yep. but yeah it's just wonderful and it, it's going to be a big turning point for women's sport and I'm glad to still be a part of it in, in some of the, the storytelling now on this side of the fence. Mm -hmm.